you know, uh, I, I actually convinced somebody that uh, segregation was wrong. Who? <laughs> what? Yeah, because uh, basically I, I put it in relation to like Lyndon B. Johnson. Hey, John, do you want to tell uh, everybody where we are? We are in the parking lot of Sycamore Tavern. Um, yeah. That That's why you might be hearing some uh, some chit-chat in the background. Because yeah. we're, we're chilling in a car in the parking lot of the world-famous uh, Los Angeles' own Sycamore Tavern. Yeah, um, real famous. Jeremy Piven has performed here. <laughs> That's what's up. Omar Gooding runs a show. It's a neat room, and they do a and they do an open mic. That's yeah. I I, I haven't been to like all. Oh, I'm seven months. I don't know. Pretty more seven months. I started in July. That's uh eight or nine months, maybe. Yeah. You've been doing it a baby. Yeah, so you have a lot of experience in comedy. Oh, yeah, I've been doing this for a really, really, really long time. <laughs> it'll be, uh, this June, it'll be 12 years. That's what's up. That's what's, up. <sighs> what, what's, like, one piece of advice? Like, like just overall comedy advice, or? You can give me life advice if you want. So somebody told me that, like, uh, a lot of their improvement comes from like introspection. Yeah, I would say. Well, I mean, you're you're still new enough that I would say, give it another year of like not going too deep. Get yourself used to like joke styles and like what you want your voice to be a little bit. Like like get yourself there and then start digging. That's cool. And but prepare yourself because it's it's I a lot read of books maybe. Well, I mean, it's it's a lot of like I have books, but I haven't read them. Like I, that was that was the first step. Well, read the back cover and write a joke about. Yeah, it. I, I probably I got like a book right here. This is highly rated. Zen and the art of stand up comedy. Yeah, that was a hard book to find. Oh. Where I couldn't just get a cheap used copy of that. Yeah, I, I didn't spend good money for that. I I am aware of Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. I have I didn't I know have that, that there was a stand up comedy one. I thought that one was like would teach real survival skills. So for like the longest time, I had that book in my bug out bag because my mom gave it to me, and she was like, "This book's useful as a man." And I didn't know she meant like philosophically. And shit. Yeah, you were just like, dude. I thought you were gonna teach me how to make motorcycles and shit, and you're just over here like talking about like life. Not that I know how to ride a motorcycle. I just yeah. thought I could be like Mad Max. Like, I would just be prepared. <laughs> With that, and I had like an English to Spanish dictionary uh, when we read to Mexico. Dude, that is that is a uh, Gael Garcia Bernal film if I've ever heard one. I don't know who that is, but I know about Christopher Cross. He had a song about sailing away. No, uh, Comes in. The, um, it's two tickets to paradise. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not up on my But now that cross. song's stuck in my head and now I can't think of the melody to the um <laughs> na, 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 na. 
No, like na 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 na. Is is it a song about winning a raffle? No, no, no it's a song about uh. <laughs> I didn't know that song was about a raffle. What? Yeah, I just thought it was like an epic hair metal. Cause like it was on Vice City, like the video game, and it was right after like two minutes to midnight or something <coughs> like that. Uh, or maybe it was just between stations, but then like so I was like thinking of like some epic Iron Maiden stuff, and then it was like two tickets. To, I don't know, but we we put it's about winning a raffle. That sounds pretty tame. I mean, that's that's what I always took it. Like I don't. To be honest, there could be lyrics that I have missed. I mostly just know the two tickets to paradise part. But that's that's what I always thought it was, was they were just like, We got some tickets and we're going to paradise. No, no, okay. I guess they don't really say how they acquire maybe they do say how they acquire the tickets. And I just oh, you know what? There's no tickets involved. It's riding just riding like the wind. It's I've, I've got a long way to go to make it to the border in Mexico. And I've got to ride ride like the wind. Song. I was born the son of an honest man. <laughs> Live my life without a gun in my hand. I nope. Okay, see, that's the problem there. I only know songs by musicians who shoot guns. I'm a big, big Ted Nugent fan. <laughs> that's what's up. Oh God, I am not that man's weird. He shoots bows and arrows. That uh, he reminds me of my one uncle. In the worst ways. Uh, <laughs> I should like start a timer because like we're on the clock. Oh yeah. All right. There we go. I'm a Casio. Fifty-two. Oh, flapper starts at like eleven. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're on. It's called a mic run. Yeah. Running the mics. Going all the mics. Oh. Sorry, my fun made noise. That's, that, that, that's cool. That's cool. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to talk to you about some heavy shit. Okay. The the Facebook stuff. Oh, yeah. Dude. I'm I'm bitchy on Facebook. Yeah. No, no, not about your demeanor. About, like, yeah, I thought you'd have, like, some meaningful shit to say. Because, like, I want to start this podcast off strong where it's yeah. like, wow. He, I, I, I'm gonna, you're, I'm gonna rely on you to be like. I think it's just. Yeah. I think the problem that we're having right now is that you know a lot of people that do stand up comedy do it because they they've watched their idols and they wanna they wanna kind of emulate them. And there's this like mythos around like these certain parts okay, right, of like right, Santa now, right now. When you're really getting into it, this is the perfect time to introduce you. Oh, hi, I'm John. John Bridmore. What's up? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty hard enough to stay on topic. I know. Can we oh, in the car? Or yeah, no? yeah, we can in the car. I'm just wondering if I should like. Okay, I might edit that out. Fuck it. I, work, in I have an office job. To. I have an office job, but they um, they made me responsible for the uh, <laughs> section at work because like we sell things to the. So they know. Not necessarily. <laughs> like, they're just like I. I know about a lot like, of Zach, things. You're young. You're hip. I I know about a lot of things. Yeah. You know, like. But yeah. Um. Speaking of knowing about a lot of things, 
Now, 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 now I'm just sounding sound like a dick. <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah, so please continue. Oh, um, yeah, I just think it's like, there's certain things within the comedy world where it's like, they kind of have this like mythology around them and it's kind of like this like tough talking, tell it like it is, like ba ba da ba da ba da but like old school Andy Dice Clay. Yeah, and I I think that it's, you know, times are progressing in a way and things are moving in a way that we we don't need those certain things anymore. And when you're telling jokes that aren't aren't so much <sighs> like when the joke is that certain people exist or that certain people like are a way that they are or like where you're just saying like where just the punchline is that a person is gay the punchline is that a person is trans the punchline is that a person okay, so is like muslim what, what about like it's, getting past like inherent like what we're just saying that someone has like inherent quality but like demographic trends like if you you know I, I, okay, so I guess this is also going to be my chance to workshop, like, all my gay jokes. <laughs> no, uh, but, like, all right, so, for for instance, I, uh, like, I have a joke where uh, I have an acquaintance, you know, mm-hmm. he, uh, he, he's very Christian, and uh, he decided that he wants to make a musical, uh, a Christian musical, and uh, he showed me, music, it was a, a Christian musical about how being gay is wrong and he was very disappointed when it came down to casting time <laughs> you know so but like i feel like that's a good like demo demographic joke you know where yeah. it's like uh but yeah that's also a joke that it's like you're not like the punchline isn't that there are those people you know and it doesn't you don't like have a slur for people in it and you don't have like those are the things that I think really people are trying to change. But then it, it's almost like, like the whole thing with, with like gun control yeah. where it's like, well, we should maybe ban this one thing. And then that goes into like gun owners ears and they hear they want to take it all away. I think it's the same thing. So you're with, saying with gun, comedy gun owners where it's like trigger warning. <laughs> they do. I think they do. There, there you go. But yeah, I think, I think that it's it's kind of the same thing with with stand up where it's like well if you take this word away then we're not allowed to say any words and then everyone's always offended by something and like blah 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 and it's like no that's true and you're never going to be able to do a joke that doesn't offend anyone because everyone's sensibilities are different but when you have certain jokes that offend large swaths of people or where you have certain jokes where that are that are damaging yeah. to people, like that actually hurt groups of people, like like in my own experiences as a gay person, I could see, you know, like where where the where the anger was coming from and where the the certain things that people would say were coming from, and you know pop culture does have an influence on that. And like, I just think that it's weird for like people that want to get up on a stage and have people pay attention to what they're saying because their words are so valuable 
Oh, don't they, understand they that their on, words have meaning. You know? they, they use it on slurs. Yeah, like it's like I, I like you want people to shut up and listen to you, but then you also at the same time want to have this thing where it's like, well, I'm not responsible for the conclusions that people draw from my words. That's I mean, it, it's not compatible in my mind, you know? Yeah. Excuse me. I just burped. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, okay. I, I tried to do it silently, like, away from the uh, my microphone. So, uh... And, you know, I just queefed, so... That's very... We're very progressive and uh, not gender binary on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know... I let people queef in my car. I uh, I I demand I will not get in a car otherwise. It's just it's my role for myself. Queen La Queefa. Uh, that's a, that's a car. Yeah. Background noise. Man, uh, but what else did I want to talk to you about? I guess mostly like. The, the Facebook thing. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I I will... And I do this in real life, too. Like, people think that it's just, like, an online persona thing. Like, no. People that know me know that I'm, I'm like this in real life, too. Like, if you say something that is just blatantly racist, blatantly homophobic, blatantly transphobic, like, okay, misogynistic, yeah, yeah. So, I will call you on it. Okay. I will I will say out loud to you, like, hey, that is a this. Like, that is a racist comment. That is a homophobic comment. And I'm not going to, like, like, like spit venom or, like, you know, throw things at you or, like, like stomp my feet. But I will tell you, like, in a normal tone of voice, like, hey, that's not cool. Okay, so this, this is what I want to get at the slurs. Now, now I'm remembering. Yeah. Uh, do you think that, like, it's possible for gay people to kind of, like, just own, own certain stuff and be like, this is our word now. You can't. Like, have you ever seen Boondock Saints? When yeah, that, like when William Defoe, you know, is just you know, because I, I is that to some extent that could also be like a fetish thing, but that that aside, not not that, but like you know that cocktail I invented. Yeah, because like I okay, so I thought it would be cool because I'm really into puns, you know. I'm a equal like so I'll even like make puns on slurs, you know, because uh, I, I guess this deserves like a backstory. So when I was a kid, I got bullied by another kid and the my mom's boyfriend at the time uh was just like call him a fat faggot so i did and then the, he called the teacher and then like it, got, it was a big deal i got a pink but i went to catholic school so it wasn't because it was like inappropriate it was well it was like like you know uh, discriminatory it was because i accused him of like a very bad sin and yeah. <laughs> he was gonna go to hell so like that you know so but then i looked it up and it was like that word just means a bundle of sticks yeah. And then, like, you know, so I've always just, like, had a strong association with that. Like, that word is, like, me, anyways, there's this cocktail drink idea I made where, like, uh, you take, like, a, you know how there's, like, a flame, most flaming drinks are just 151 on fire? Yeah. You, you throw in a bunch of cinnamon sticks, and then you light it on fire, and then you get to blow the fire out, which I think is empowering. <laughs> You know, because yeah. if you're a feminist, you could be saving Joan of Arc, you know? So like, cause I, I was thinking really hard cause you, you kind of get like people are getting offended, 
you know, and I was just like, oh man, so I came up with some other names, like the Catholic hate crime. Yeah. The Salem witch. Oh, that, that's, that, that's also good. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, because I, I do, I, I have people say that to me a lot, like that bundle of sticks thing where they're like, well, that's what the word, like, really means. Yeah, it's yeah. like, right, that's the actual definition of it, but that's not how, how people use it. Yeah, but what I meant to say and, also, just so that we're clear, is that I, that was like my fourth grade yeah, yeah, mentality. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you know, but unfortunately, go, the, a lot of people don't move beyond that mentality. Okay, but my, so. this was the year 2001 when it was still cool to call things gay. Oh, dude, uh, trust like, me. It was like a synonym for lame. I've been... Well, that's that's a thing that I think that, like... I don't know if the kids still do that. They do. Uh, adults still do that. It's, you know... And I think that it's... Um, sorry, I was throwing ash out the door. That's cool. Um, I think it's... People don't think about how much it affects people's perception when you use something that a person is, even if it's a derogatory term for them or whatever, when you use something that a person is as a substitution for something that's negative. So instead of being like, I don't like this, you say that it's gay. It's it plants this perception in people's heads that gay equals negative. And so without thinking about it, tons of people every single day say gay people are bad. And when that's just in the subconscious, you know, when that's just in the ether, ether, you know, it's, it, it shapes the way that people view people. Yeah. So, like... It pre-frames it. Yeah. And there's a lot of negative context around being gay. And that's only changed, really, in about the last, like, 40 to 50 years. The way that people have started perceiving gay people has started to change even a little bit. And we've made a lot of strides to where we are now. But, you know, it would be very helpful if people who are, like, down with the cause, like, like, would, you know, be like, oh, here's this tiny little, like, I could stop using one or two words. Yeah. And that would help, like, like, a whole community a huge amount. And that's why, like, I get so upset about it sometimes. Because it's like, I think... A lot of people think that it's about, like, my own hurt feelings. And it's, like, it's not about, like, I've heard every word or So it's like a cultural change. You want to change the cultural awareness. Yeah, I want to change the way that people view gay people. And you can't do that if people are constantly putting it as a negative. Totally still a problem that exists. But I think there's kind of just been, like, a change in awareness. You know? There, I mean... To a degree. There's still states yeah, in this but, country where you can be fired from your job for being gay. There's still oh, states that's, in this that's country true. where well, you I mean, can like, at least here in our bubble. for being gay. Here in our bubble. Well, yeah. And, uh, I mean... So we, we're, we're around Los Angeles. But even here, you know, I get called a faggot at least once or twice a week. Damn. Like, you know, I hear it a lot more than that. But, like, I get called it personally that amount of times. And, you know, it's... 
And it's definitely gotten worse in recent years just because of, like, where we are as a country. Yeah. Like, people are pushing boundaries in weird fucking ways. But, like, I think that it's... It's a thing that most people who aren't gay don't think about because it doesn't affect them at all. But when you talk to any gay person, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that has made my life very difficult. You know, I, I think also what, what, what helps is kind of like the whole, because I think social media is starting to like uh, get a little reined in, you know? Yeah. Cause especially with like Cambridge and because there's a little bit more regulation. Because like, all right, so there's this thing with like uh, the Me Too movement where I, I had this thought, like, do you remember in grade school, you know, uh, a lot of those same kids that would call things gay, like, they, if you were to say Me Too, they would always chime in like me three and yeah. it was a very overused joke because it was a common gag in cartoons and i was just thinking like you know with the me too movement if that kid was still around he'd be having a field day you know yeah, yeah dude but, like just yeah and <laughs> we could me on forever with that one yeah like... you know and that and but so i kind of wanted to make it like a thing of solidarity <laughs> like you know because you know it's like you can't say like me too if you you know so but if you want you can also say like i agree with you like where there's people with you so me three and then, yeah. like you know um but i i feel like it could also be a problem because people could be like men are trying to one-up us <laughs> <laughs> but oh yeah it would definitely like ruffle some feathers yeah but everything ruffles feathers yeah yeah but anyway somebody told me that like when I, I told him about what I thought, it, it made it sound like that kid who said me three, like is dead or something. Like he's not around anymore. <laughs> and I realized, you know, maybe he got banned from Twitter for calling things gay. And that, so that's that very that, well, that's progress. Actually. Oh no, dude. Yeah, that, Twitter that, is so like, that cool. basically, cause I, I mean, think about it in like a butterfly effect way. What if like, you know, at the first time Me Too got posted, some dipshit kid was like, Me Three. And then that got more engagement and likes. And Dude, then it, it kind of just like, you know. So I think, you know, they uh, opened the door for women's rights by banning that kid. Yeah. Uh, let's have him sit in the corner. There's only a suspension. <laughs> Like, look, this just is not about you right now. You can come back, but. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty, pretty, We've had some serious talks. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a very serious person. No, no, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, this tea, the, how, how do you like it? It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the cool thing is that, uh, I was telling you it's fermented before we started. Yeah. So, unlike, uh, it's called puer tea. Um, it's a, a style of, like, a fermented tea where instead of brewing the tea and fermenting it, you kind of just, like, ferment it. And then you dry it and like press it into a cake, like a brick cake. Mongols used to trade this as a currency. Like, oh, okay. yeah, um, it, it all came from China. But like, you know, they would just be like, oh, cool. And then they, they basically they would, uh, 
it was it wasn't good. They had like manure in it and stuff. Um, they they have not manure in the scenes. No, no, but they okay. they have a tradition <laughs> of uh, kind of just like giving out their worst teas for export. So like you have to go to the good websites and and places to get it from. So like the if you want to get into pure tea, there's a spot called like Yunnan Sourcing. You know, and like dot com, it ships from China and dot US. It's, they have it in the US, anyways. So, um, it, it has a different characteristic to it, you know. And then I, um, I threw in like a flavored herbal tea bag on top of it because I can do what I want. But, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. It has a. So there's this Chinese term called cha ki, which basically means like how a tea makes you feel. So you know, if you drink a good amount of it. It's supposed to give you kind of like a buzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what old ladies do, I think. Yeah. Like, I have to do something. Can't just all be bingo and quilts. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, this is a white tea, though. So... The thing about white tea is that uh, if you make it fresh from the leaves, it has to be boiled at like 160 degrees, and which is very far from water boils at like 212 degrees. Yeah, on average around here. So, uh, so you have to like really watch it. Well, if you don't have like a digital <laughs> monitor, then it's like you you just gotta be like, I just think it's this long since it boiled and it's at the right temperature, and then you can burn the leaves and whatever. But it's a different com- uh, chemical because uh, green tea, or I mean, tea in general, it has like a sort of like the same complex um, synergistic uh, buildup of like uh, you know chemicals and uh, stuff that uh, like marijuana, you know, uh, except instead of cannabinoids, there's catechins, but some of them bind to the same uh, cannabinoid receptors as uh, actual cannabinoids. You know, so the more you know. Yeah. Well, shit. Yeah. Like, there's all kinds of like things where it's just kind of like, especially if you don't do like, like, like drugs on a regular basis. Like, like there's been stretches where I've gone sober and then like eaten chocolate and been like, woo. Yep. Like. So, yeah, it's just all about, like, I think, like, where your body's at, like, how it reacts to things, you know? Yeah. Oh, everyone's pulling out of the mic. It's like almost. I think these, but it's not everyone, so I think it's, like, everyone's going up, and they're like, fuck this, I want flappers. Well, it's the trickle, and then there's also a show upstairs, really? and it's just a regular bar. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not like a bar person, maybe. Yeah, like, I did not recognize them, and I know everyone in comedy. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got into so so this is my thing with, with stand up like I or, well uh, I I originally did like martial arts and stuff yeah so what I like about open mics or it, it's like it's better than karate class or or whatever because you don't really have to do anything like you could just. Most people are, like, just smoking weed outside the whole time and, like, yeah. socializing. You can't smoke weed in karate class. Yeah, so, you know, everyone's just, like, being chill. And uh, 
you don't really have to focus and pay attention until like it's your time to go up and then most of the time you're just like bullshitting yeah and then like i, I don't know it's it's like so with, with karate or any martial or just martial even like jujitsu or whatever most people who kind of like get into it they're like oh man this is cool i'm gonna be more physically fit you know and i'm gonna like improve my life but like Everyone at an open mic is just like, I need a career in comedy. Well, this is around L.A., so, like... Yeah, this is kind of, like, the, the like... There's a lot of people from a lot of places out here. So it's kind of like, this is the end-all, be-all. Yeah, and I'm kind of, like, a minority being from here, you know? And yeah. It seems like everybody here is kind of, like, on Logan's run. Well, like it's... they come over, and yeah. it's like... And, and, uh, and so... I feel like that kind of drives everyone's work ethic where they're just like, I got to get up at like five mics a week. And then like, I feel kind of just like, oh man, no. Well, it's, it's also like, like Andy was saying earlier when we were talking to him, you know, like it's, um, there's a lot of people that we were doing this where we were from in a way that like we were going up multiple times a week and just doing shows like paid shows. And now you come out here and it's harder to get on things. It's harder to, especially to get paid for anything. That's so rare out here. And like, so it's just kind of like the only way that we can get stage time is going to mics. So it's like less out of like a, like, yeah, we're grinding and we're trying a new thing and we're doing, yeah, yeah. And we're just like, well, I just want to say something. Like, I'm just like, give me okay. my three minutes, you know? Like, <laughs> See, yeah, that's the that's the thing too, because uh, I I don't know. I like the idea of stand up comedy being a place where you can go like loose your tie after work and just say all this shit that would get you fired, like that you just giggled at throughout the day. Yeah. you know, I think like there kind of needs, but I don't think there's like a lot of that in L.A. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean? Where, uh, well, it's it's a lot of people trying to like establish a brand and shit and trying to stand out and. People do it in, like, weird ways. Yeah. Like, where they're just kind of like, oh, I'm going to say this crazy shit. Or, oh, I'm going to do this weird character that everyone's weirded out by. Or, like, oh, I'm going to, like, you know. But, you know. I'm going to be the trombone comic. And it's like, don't. Stop it, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. At the same time, though, to, to be fair, like, the the whole idea of spontaneity and stand-up comedy for the most part with most people that's supposed to be like an illusion you know what i mean like that's just the mastering and art form so i feel like it might also just be me buying into that like dream yeah i just uh because i don't know uh, i i i think i think that's part of why people like gravitate towards trying to be andrew dice clay is because like they they think that that's the, the well, people that's what he did you know uh well, yeah, it's that pushing boundaries thing, and it's that, like, you know, I, like, rules, I don't play by those rules, but like, type I, thing, I, where it's, see, like, it's, like, a bunch of people that are, like, you know... But it's we, a great character, though, because, you know how, uh, philosophically... It, I mean, okay, but it's, it's some people aren't doing it as a character, though, they yeah, made it that's, their life. that's true. And there's a lot He, he kind of became, that. like, Cheech and Chong for racist people. Yeah, because like originally they were just uh, supposed to be like a caricature of stoners, you know, and then uh, and then stoners were like elves. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't, I honestly, I'm a bit of an old school Andrew Rice Clay fan in the context of like 
philosophically, uh, Aristotle said like uh, one of the main reasons that people laugh at them is because of ugliness. You know, there's a base ugliness out of like ignorance and racism, and I don't know, it just gets like a gut reaction, like laugh at like. It, the best way for to get like a gut busting laugh out of me at an open mic is for somebody to just say some like totally inappropriate shit, where it's just like you you know, um, and and I guess that that's kind of fucked up because I'm I'm really just like yeah. gratifying like the people who are uh, who are being like ignorant well, and stuff. Too. I think I think also with stuff like that, like for me, I want something that's gonna surprise me. You know, yeah. I want something that's like not so much like a shock. But I, I do. I want something different. I want something that's going to surprise me. I want to hear, you know, like, that's that's a big part of it is, like, hearing something put to you in a different way that you hadn't really thought of before. And that kind of, like, surprise moment, like, elicits a laugh a lot of times. And with a lot of humor like that, I'm just like, it's been so done that, like, I've heard it so much. But it's just kind of like, well, I don't well, find that stuff. This funny is the thing, anymore. though. I I think it it gets it's tired. Like I wouldn't want to. I think Andrew Dice Clay is very dated. You know what I mean? But I feel like it's kind because of, it's kind of like how uh, Richard Pryor's presentation style. Like nowadays, you see it and you're just like, I've seen that so many times. It doesn't seem original. Well, yeah, I think it's back then. It was. You I know, think it's good to look at in like a historical context, yeah. like kind of how like you know, like. Like, but, if you watch, like, an episode of, like, like a, like a show from, like, the 50s or something, there's going to be some stuff in there where you're like, whoa, that's not okay. But, like, should we throw all that stuff away? No. Yeah. But should we keep doing it? Like, but no. I think formulas can evolve. Because I do think that there's, like, a modern, socially appropriate, like, equivalent of that. I think for for most... For most of history, though, in entertainment, it's been kind of, like, poking fun at of, like, oh, look how antiquated these views were, and we're not doing that now. We're kind of going, like, instead of being like, oh, ha, 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 those, it's funny because they were wrong. Yeah. We're still, like, hanging on to, like, no, but that's still what's funny. And it's like, no, okay, that's yeah, not it's funny anymore. Well, and like... What, what I mean is, okay, so one of my favorite comedic formulas is I like to come to a right conclusion, but for yeah. the absolute wrong reasons. And that tends to like kind of get a laugh out of, both, uh, out of both sides. Okay, so I have a joke about taking a feminism class. Yeah. Part of the joke is that I end up saying something that's like very woke, but it's because I just like strippers. A lot, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first, like I mansplain feminism because, like, I just go up, very broy, like, and then I'm just like, uh, you know, like, like, I gotta like probably explain like feminism to you guys. Like, first there's like the first wave of feminism, you know, and they all look like Mary Poppins, and they're like, we want to vote. That usually lets me like kind of gauge the audience and see, like, yeah, like if they're willing get, to like come with. Well, yeah. no, if they've taken a women's studies class, they laugh at that part. Yeah. If they're just kind of like Hollywood SJW feminists, lots of times like the historical context won't get them, but then they'll typically like kind of like playing up the stereotype of just being a dumb guy. And I'll just be like, oh, I just thought, you know, there'd be interesting pictures, so I picked women's studies. The whole punchline for that is just sheer ignorance. You know, I present a good viewpoint totally in like an inappropriate way. Yeah, like if you're putting it forth, like you're making the joke that 
people think like that. You yeah. know, I think that that's perfectly acceptable to like take like something that might be culturally considered an acceptable thing, or it's something that like we ignore and like holding a spotlight to it. Yeah. So, but um, the thing is, what? Oh shit! It's very well lit around here. Yeah. Yeah. You want, you want to take a break? Yeah. Can we pause for a second? Yeah. I'm sorry. I was gonna try to hold it, but then I was like, no. So, uh, I, 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 I know, like, the chafing sucks for, from, like, brief style or, like, sort of Tai Y style, whatever, but I found, like, a good solution. You know what that is? There's these, uh, short, these military issue shorts called Silkies. Sometimes they're called, like, I forget the name of the brand, but, uh, basically, like, they got banned. Because, like, uh, your dick flops around in them. And, like, people would be running around for, like, physical training, you know, but... Like, getting sores on their dick? No, no, no. It's because, like, it, they just, like, flop around. If you look at the reviews, everyone rates them very highly on Amazon. And they, they talk about, like, it's, like, being cradled by, like, an American eagle. It's just, like, soft. <laughs> and it's, like, this polyester that feels like silk. And uh, I'm not proud of how I found out about those. How'd you find out about them? Because I didn't know this girl. I found out this girl was with a dude that was in the Navy because I was just like, I don't want to sleep in my teens. And she was like, try some of these. And I was like, oh, these are the best. you know. And uh, they were clean, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, and, then, and I was like, I just saw them and I was like, they said Navy on them. And I was like, oh, man, I'm a bad citizen. <laughs> you know. Are, are they like, are they like, like boxer brief style? Yeah, well, they have, like, an inner lining that's, like, kind of in the, like, underwear cut, and then they have, like, an outer lining and stuff. Oh, okay. So, like, if there's, like, friction, even, like, if you were to get a lap dance in jeans, yeah. it, it would be more comfortable because there's a, a smooth two layers, like, smooth, like, gliding around, like, lubricated oil. Yeah. They're, they're very comfortable. They're, like, a little bit too comfortable sometimes, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're very great. Yeah. And people like you use them as like, but they're also supposed to be like outdoor shorts too. So like, if you're just, you know, how like sometimes people are like, uh, oh, I'm gonna just go skinny swimming in my underwear, like it's a party, yeah. it's a pool. Well, if you have silkies, if you have <laughs> like those shorts, you can you're prepared to jump in a pool. So they're they're all around the best. Dude, I'll jump in a pool in my briefs. I don't have. Yeah, He's like, I don't have a pool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't have my silkies. I, I, I'm pissed. I wore the inferior underwear today. Wait, you wore what? I wore the inferior underwear today. Oh. <laughs> like, but uh, apparently, like, it's supposed to be like a mark of pride because they're banned or, and, like, I, I guess special forces people wear them. Like, it's considered special forces gear. Oh, so you, you have, like, you have, like... Some underground underwear. <laughs> well, it's physical training shorts that you don't like. You don't need to wear underwear with. So I think that's like where. The oh, term, so yeah, it's that's like, where the term going oh, commando so it's like, like come from. Shorts with like built-in underwear. Yeah, but like your dick, falls, yeah. you know. So you can kind of just walk around and then show off like your freedom, and uh, show off your show off your your junk. Yeah, you know, for for uh, America. Yeah. Anyways. American John. So, uh, why are they, anyway, I think those might be like 
the solution to the, like, butt mosquito bite problem. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I, I, I didn't just explain selfies for no, no reason. No, yeah, yeah. I I have, I got bit by a mosquito on on my lower butt, and it's right on my underwear line. And so it's, it's, ir- it's, it's getting irritated. Oh, yeah, so, uh. You want to know, so, I, so what happened was we uh, we had a break, uh, yeah, had a, a, a piss break. I had to pee. You know, and uh, I thought a little bit about, like, you know, I couldn't go. So, I, I put it this way. So, there's a joke I have, you, you know, where uh, it revolves around, like, taking, like, a feminist class. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically, my teacher's, like, slut-shaming, you know, and I'm just like, oh, I don't like... That uh, she's talking shit about strippers after you know, kind of presenting the fact that like, you know, I, I might have taken the class. I thought there'd be cool pictures and stuff. So they're just like, ah, eh, you know. And then I, I just talk about how like, yeah. Then um, the whole class kind of like turned on the teacher, and then she was like, you know what, everyone should be accepted. And then like, I, I you know, so that, that's like the kind of like the punchline is that like, I. So anyways, yeah. Um, mostly just tension breaking, <laughs> but uh. You know, that's, well, that's not the same thing as Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, yeah. It's still, I feel like uh, when you kind of make ignorance the joke, of course, now you can't just, like, lay it out there blatantly and just be like, there's a racist guy. That's the punchline. Like that. But at the same time, that's kind of like you... Fart humor isn't as funny in the same way. Like when, once you get past the fourth grade, you know what I mean. Like yeah. there's, in fact, like you, you hardly ever see it. But at the same time, like you see that kind of stuff in vaudeville all the time. So I I think that that kind of ignorance it's still fun. It's just the joke structure has changed, and at the same time, like because bef- and also the fact that the when when somebody made a joke like that, like Andrew Dice Clay, yeah. it was for two people. You know, or even like Louis Anderson kind of did the same thing uh, too. Not not about himself, but um, when Andrew Dice Clay was doing his persona, or Louis Anderson was describing his family, yeah. when they're out in the Midwest and there's people who think like that, they're like, ah, ha, ha, we think like that, and they laugh yeah. because there's like a sense of participation. Yeah. But at the same time, those jokes were like they 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 said them everywhere, and you know, a large part of that joke was directed at people. So, uh, you know, who saw that as ignorance and kind of like an ugly thing. And they're just like, oh, he's making fun of people who are like that at a time when no one really acknowledged that that kind of stuff existed. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that, yeah, like, um, okay, I don't want to like be like cultural Marxism, but I kind of think that the you other know, is kind of like a point to the idea of like controlling a culture, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a believer and uh, propaganda to certain extent. I, I do marketing. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I think that you guys are trying to market a cleaner brand. You know, gay people are rebranding themselves. I, well, I do think it's kind of, you know, like just kind of getting people to see you as other people and not as as something that's so very different than who they are, which is, you know pretty much just what we've been doing all along. But I think that, you know, the media picks up on, like, certain aspects, and that's what they run with. Are there more flamboyant parts of gay culture? Yes. Um, is that the only part of gay culture? No. 
is every single person like that now, you know? So it's like, like media portrays it as one thing, and then that becomes like kind of like the norm and the stereotypes and like blah, blah, blah. And then, so I think it's in a way a rebranding, but in a way it's just like, we're just kind of doing the thing that we've always done. We're being like, okay, yes, there is this. But also, we're your brothers and your uncles. Everyone has a gay uncle. Oh, and there's a gay uncle theory. Like, evolutionary yeah. theory. Yeah, that's... I don't know if that was, like, a nod to, like, a... Well, yeah, it's just, like, a known thing. Like, everyone has a gay uncle. Like... I hear it so, so much. Like, you meet someone and they're like, oh, John's gay. Because that's still like a way to introduce me. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, this is John. He's gay. And, um, like, anytime that happens, there will always be someone that's like, my cousin's gay. My <laughs> uncle's gay. Like, everyone, like, they're like, I know a gay. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. Neat. You know what though? This is like the kind of stuff that Lenny Bruce joked about, like in terms of like how uh how racism was back then or Oh, oh fuck. That's some crazy shit to happen. Yeah. Oh, recording a podcast. Yeah. Oh, I'm still recording. <laughs> so let, let's keep going. What are we talking about? I have no idea. Oh. Oh, yeah. So what I wanted to ask you yeah. was, do you think like, because oh, yeah, you gave very good reasons why like other people can't use those words, but do you think like, Gay people might take those words as like solidarity, and it's just like, yeah, you know, my I've f word. I Cause, have because that was kind of the idea sometimes, but even lately, like it's you know how like sometimes you're just like, well, that word doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth, yeah, and like it's starting to feel more and more like that, and so I've just been trying to not use it at all or change the context in which i use it or you know yeah like because that's the kind of, so my idea for that drink was like i was thinking if a gay person if a gay partner took credit for it or put his name on it it could be something like at like gay events maybe but maybe that's something that like should have happened 20 years ago I, you know honestly though i think this comes down to like what people think the point of doing comedy is you know how a lot of people think that a debate is about being objectively right with facts and they don't really try to win over the crowd? Yeah. You, from like a folklorist perspective, comedy is, is meant to be like, uh, it's not like it's, there's an audience participation in terms of like, you can't have stand-up comedy in a room by yourself. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's all about, there's something like visceral, there's like a room dynamic that you're kind of going off of. And, and what you're really doing is, there's a kind of comedy where like the epitome is like, Oh man, I, I totally wish I thought of that. in like, uh, you know, like that's something that I would think. Yeah. And it's true. Or at the same time, there's somewhere like you can kind of see 
there, there's something that you know isn't true. It's such a ridiculous logic, but like from a certain perspective, it's just funny because like there's an incongruence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. One part of you is like A equals B, but then you're like, oh, but that's so funny that it, yeah, like you took all. an interesting step to get there. Yeah, I, I mean that's kind of like the point of why racism's funny to to a certain degree when you're just kind of like using like false causation. For for instance. Uh, let's just use like being Mexican because I'm, I'm half Mexican so I can kind of like get away with it. Uh, <laughs> if you're like, oh, let's get spicy with it. Let, let's say that some someone carries Tapatio in their purse and it's just like, yeah, they're, they're, maybe they're doing it because they really like Tapatio, but then someone might be like, it's because they're very Mexican. Well, you know? I mean, I and think it's also the it's difference cultural, between like, like good and bad, not, like, terrible like stereotypes because yeah, it's like, like that's not a hurtful stereotype, you know. It's, also it's like the it's like hurtful. it's a stereotype of like, yeah, like Mexican people like hot sauce. Yeah. Like. Okay, I I guess it's just when people fall in line with their stereotypes, you know, uh, it, it's kind of funny along the lines like of, you know, you're not supposed to say like that's why somebody does it, but yeah. like it, it's just like the very. It's a very basic, like, oh, yeah, I know correlation isn't causation, but it, it's kind of funny to to have that, like, false line of logic when, like, it, it, it makes sense on, like, a subconscious level. And, and I guess that's also probably why you're you're trying to fight, like, the whole calling things gay, because you're creating that subconscious, like, well, yeah, frame of think, perception. Because it, cause it's also when, when you, when you say that, like, this thing is this this thing is this, this thing is this, then you will have some of the people from those groups also fall for that. So it's like, gay people are bad, so, do you think so like... I'm bad and I'm evil, okay. and then like you have like teen suicide like, and, and then you have and then you have all of these groups where it's like, people play into what they feel people's perceptions of them are, and that can be just as damaging. Where because you're told so much that you are this thing, then you start to believe that you are that thing. And then that gives you less of a chance of being anything else. Right, so this is kind of what I kind of think of as like the will and grace dilemma. Right? Because, and mind you, this is like 20 plus years ago. At a time where it was like, oh, gay doesn't exist. And uh, you like some people are told like you can't even like on their contracts like you can't come out of the closet. That was kind of like an amazing uh, thing for like that to just come out, you know. Yeah. No, no pun intended. But at the same time, if you were like a a gay kid from like the Midwest or somewhere that's not here, and you just don't really see like gay people running around or whatever, does that like kind of just become? Oh hey, this this is what I think like being gay is all about, and then you kind of just become a stereotype. You see, because that's like that's really the only, uh, especially if you're an impressionable young adolescent, that's the only thing to like anchor to or identify with, yeah. right? Well, it it would bother me like when when cause that like when that show came out, it was it was revolutionary. Yeah, but then it was kind of like people started dividing you into camps. Like it was like, are you a Will or are you a Jack? And it's like. Those are two characters. Like, it's not everyone is one or the other. It's, that's a representation of who, like, some gay people are. Yeah. And I think it, 
you know, it was good in a lot of ways. It really did kind of like make homosexuality. Like you can see it in, in the trends, like after Ellen, after Will and Grace, after things like that, people started becoming more accepting where they were like, oh, oh, this is all this is. Ah, oh, okay. And so like, I, I think it did do that, but then it did this other thing where it was kind of like, oh, well, all gay people are this. Yeah. Which I don't think is its fault. So it's like the next stage. We're at the next stage of representation right now. Yeah. Where it's, it's it's normalized. Yeah. It's like, it's like you, you, everyone should know this shit now. So Will and Grace are like Pompeii and, and, uh, who shot Liberty Vance. That's a deep cut. Yeah. I'm not, I do not know that. uh, Pompeii was like the slave that, uh, um, the, uh, cowboy guy. I want to say, like, Bruce Wayne. That is Batman. Yeah, that's Batman. This is this is killing me. The, Bruce like, Bruce? Is it the comedian no, Bruce No, no, like, the, the classic <laughs> penultimate cowboy. I'm, I'm remembering, like, the character name and the name of the movie. He's, like, ter- he, he's, like, the cowboy, you know? But, like, when he goes through doors, he, like, hurls his body through him. And, like, he totally gets shot. And he, he just, it looks... It's funny to see him like bust through barn. Like that was like the, that his action move. I'm looking it up. If I look up Western movie star, where'd he hit? Oh, he drove into the back of us. Really? How did you already know I got a car crash? Oh, I texted him. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, John Wayne. John Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I was telling everyone on stage, I was like, yeah, my friend just got in a car crash. I was like, which means that car crash was on a podcast? Were you guys recording? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. I'm going to head to Flappers. Do you want to ride, John? What, what, what are we doing? Uh, I'll take you to Flappers if you want. I might, might as well go. Round out right. the night. I'll meet you guys there then. Yeah, so okay. it's about time to cool, finish cool. up. Yeah. So, uh, John Wayne. So... It, it was like this John Wayne movie where uh, he had a slave, and uh, basically that was one of the first. This was in the era where there were like no black people in movies. Yeah. So this was like kind of one of the first times that a black person had like a very masculine role. Where there was even like a scene where he like gave Pompey the rifle and he's like protect the women. So like it, you know because like he went out and like he just left him in like a schoolhouse you know as like the last line of defense. You know, and uh, yeah, that that I feel like that that's kind of what Will and Grace is. Yeah, we're we're yeah. It was like the beginning of we're learning how to do this. Yeah, and so, so it was good in a lot of ways, and it was bad in in ways. Yeah, and we learned. But then, ten to twenty years later, I think you're we're in like the Lenny Bruce era. Where I feel like a lot of the Lenny Bruce material is like very applicable. You know, he talks about like going to a party and then like talking uh, to like a white guy, basically just having like a like oh I've never met a black person before and like that kind of ignorance and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I still think that ignorance is kind of funny, but I feel like that it's actually like very, it's like happening now. Like I feel like gay people are kind of. I, I don't know. It's really weird. I never thought I would see this, like, now that I think about it, I never thought I would see this, like, sort of dynamic of racism in my lifetime, like, here. But, like, yeah. 
it's it, I don't know. I feel bad that like I'm using this as a context to get Lenny Bruce jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Still though, yeah, you know. So at least you have like a a solidarity with. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, like, like I think comedy is just kind of like it's always pushing boundaries, and it's just. Oh, but I have a, so I have a social, you, you you know, what's up with like social Marxism and stuff? Vaguely. All right. So basically with, uh, like with like college feminism and a lot of college social justice, um, there's this, and I'm not harping on like a Jordan Peterson thing. Like this is like, uh, I don't mean to, cause right, this is a problem is like, for example, if I do that joke about, like, the feminist class and it kills, I get people coming up to me, like, they're trying to buy Coke, and they're like, so, uh, you ever hear of Jordan Peterson? You know, that that's how uh, I, I've met a lot of, I find out who those, like, who all, those guys are. Yeah, all, like, the red pill comedians <laughs> yeah. are, cause, like, you know, that bit's kind of cool, I make friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I actually convinced somebody that uh, segregation was wrong. Who? What? <laughs> yeah, because uh, basically, I I put it in relation to like Lyndon B. Johnson. Because oh no no, his thing was a uh, that ultimately what I had to get at was that like segregation was wrong, but he was like Republicans aren't racist, and he didn't believe in like dog whistling, right? Yeah, uh, okay, I should probably give like some context because there's podcast listeners, uh, so. Lyndon B. Johnson uh, was kind of just like, oh, hey, uh, there should be states' rights, you know, and you shouldn't have uh, black kids in our schools, basically. He was just, you know, he he was kind of uh, a little... Basically, uh, Richard Nixon uh, kind of, like, started his campaign with, like... Uh, dog whistling or that that's what basically made him successful running like what people consider like a racist republican platform right so this guy was like oh segregation is great don't you know that like they want segregation and i was like yeah but racist people like segregation too and he was like what (laughs) no they don't and then i was like all right well i I mean think think about Think about this, because you know how the argument was like states' rights, right? Like the whole, like states' rights was code word for uh, segregation. Yeah. You know, and like, and so I got him to finally like, like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I just got him to harp on like what Lyndon B. Johnson wanted to do. And then I was like, you can see that somebody might also want segregation because they think that like other people are inferior and they don't want their kids going to the same schools. And he was like, yeah i get it uh, yeah you yeah. know what some republicans can be racist and that took like three hours oh dear god but i, I was uh well, maybe not three hours i'm exaggerating but like i was in traffic for a while and then uh <laughs> i like i kept leaving new voicemails and i got tired of it yeah but uh anyway so the social marxism thing uh, that cleared up that i'm not a george peterson fan <laughs> um with uh, there, there's this idea that like 
there's only so many slices of pie in terms of people's perception of reality and like what they consume and what they see. And if you want to control what people, uh, uh, like people discriminating against others, like prejudice and all the evils of, um, like prejudice, uh, you got to control the public conversation because it's kind of like, like you want to have, uh, Marxism over society or over ideas, you know, and that's basic, you know, that's kind of, uh, it goes along with the idea of like, we can't just use gay as a synonym for lame. Yeah. You know, um, and on that note, because there's only like a certain amount of like slices of pie and stuff, I think that works at like a meta scale too. And this is my theory. All right. When nine 11 happened, <laughs> uh, you know, before nine 11, Islam used to kind of be a black thing, you know, like there was the nation of Islam and they were a very, um, big part of like the whole, uh, you know, civil rights movement. Like, you, you yeah. know, you have your like Malcolm X, Louis Farrakhan and stuff. They were very active. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you, you know, like you can even see that in CB4, you know, that there's like some references to that, but after nine 11, there was kind of like a cultural shift and go, holding your fist up and going, Asalaamu Alaikum. Was was no longer like a cool, you yeah. know, black power thing. People <clears throat> would start calling Homeland Security on you, you know. So, you know, and I remember there'd be episodes of like Oprah, and it showed like families watching the Twin Towers, and they'll be like, "Those aren't our kinds. There's those aren't our people." There, they, 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 there was kind of like a not, not that I want to say like, "Oh, this was a man trying to push propaganda," but there are a lot of people who kind of wanted to push that, like, those are different kind of Muslims. That that yeah. that's not that's not our Islam, you know. So I feel like the Nation of Islam, because it's in their name, they kind of had to like quiet down for a bit, and they left open like a big slice of the pie. And I think that you know, gay, I I feel like gay rights kind of like came up. It, like mathematically speak, if you in terms of like yeah. a butterfly it's effect, like, well, you're next. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, yeah, and, and not only in terms of terms, but I think like in terms of air, because they had to fill it with something. Yeah, and then uh, I think that the whole game came at like a very fortuitous time where uh, I don't know, you could probably put it on like a chart or something. Again, not really. This is very ignorant <laughs> correlation drawing, but yeah, that that's like, what I mean by like you know, I I think. Uh, these kind of things are important to say and we need, yeah. we need to share this kind of ignorance even if it's in a new format well i think we can shine a light on it and, and like talk about it and discuss it without like doing it in a way that that seems to be embracing it and i think that that's just really the most important thing to remember like you can joke about just about anything like no you can joke about anything like i can't think of anything that that really is off the table but it's the way that you joke about it yeah. that I think like influences the way that it comes across and how it seems to people and what it seems your message is and what you what it seems like like your actual like joke is, you know? Yeah. But you know what though? Not now that I think about it, if you if you put it in the context of uh you guys going through what like black people were going through in the Lenny Bruce era. It's kind of like you and when you inherit your older brother's clothes. Um, I kind of feel like what the nation of Islam, like there wasn't as much of a need. That's what probably why it hasn't come back. You know what I mean? Like th now there's things in the news about Louis Farrakhan saying like anti-Semitic stuff, but that's why it's relevant because like he's very newsworthy and he's a funny dude. That, yeah. That's why I tell jokes about him sometimes. 
but yeah, it, it it's kind of like it, and if you read a book and it changes your life, and then you're just like, like, oh, I'm gonna just leave this at the beach. <laughs> someone yeah, for else's someone life. else to. Yeah, and I th- I feel like that's what the Nation of Islam did. So yeah, um, I think it 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 I, definitely laid groundwork for for the way that activism. Yes, yeah, so you should you should be thankful. I should, and you know, bow ties are cool. Bow ties are cool. <laughs> I, I'm glad that I got these important social theories out. You know, yeah. so that, like in 20 years, we're gonna be studying this in colleges. You know? Well, let's hope. Fingers crossed. Because you, you know, there, the where are the people on the streets reporting on how social Marxism really works? I mean, where's our studs turkle? Yeah, what's a studs turkle? Um, he was an author who uh wrote a book that like was basically just like interviews with with the common people and like people from different walks of life and stuff. Like Alfred Kinsey, but not for sex. Yeah. Just for, like, just for, like, life. That's what's up. Shining lights on parts of, uh, things that generally work. We we learned something today. Do you have any plugs? Um, I'm going to be in Reno, Nevada on May 24th. I'm going to be... some time to put this out. ...in San Diego... On July or on June fifth, at um the Madhouse, um, and I'm very stoned, so those are the only two that I can remember. You know what though? That brings up the point that you're a road comic, I guess, right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So next time we'll talk about the road. The road. Hey, you know, there's like this. Speaking of toxic masculinity, there's this print song. I've been uh pussy control. No, uptown, <laughs> uptown. Where, be, be, you ever heard? I forgot like who says it, but they're like, "Oh, Prince will fuck you, fuck your girl and her blouse, and and stuff." And and this, I feel like, oh, I, I put it in Google Play. Um, I feel like this song is kind of describing that uh, interaction of like when that happened, you know. Cause like in the song, the girl says like, "Are you gay?" And he's just like, "Are you?" And then, but at the same, that's like a boss move because that's how you get threesomes, you know. So this is Prince being a pimp. Okay, cool song. Let's hit that. That's it.
Throwing shirts.